Hello, podcast fans. Do you like scary movies? I've already used that one. I did that on the Halloween <laughs> film. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Silver Screen Podcast, the second in our third ongoing fortnightly series, uh, where we will this week be looking at the movie Scream 2022, which frustrates me no end because it should be Scream 5, and it kind of is, but never mind. <laughs> I am your regular co-host, Mike, uh, and I am thrilled to say that this week I am joined back to it by DK, my co-host. DK, welcome back. Yo, she bitch, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, yeah, DK, you, you uh, sat out our Creed review, but you're back and raring to go with the uh, Scream 5 review. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, actually. <laughs> Fun. You, you have fun me. watching these movies. We're supposed to watch crap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that other voice you hear, uh, we are joined by a returning special guest, and conveniently enough, um, a guest who you will have heard exactly a year ago on our review of Scream 1996. Uh, welcome, Connor Esser from uh, Pasty Sheep and Nerd Bible Podcast. Welcome, Connor. Yeah, hello. Um, yeah, time travelled from 1996. I don't quite know what I was doing all those other years, but I'm back. <laughs> I'm here to give you like scary movies because I got a whole lot more coming. <laughs> exactly. Not the Babadook, but never mind. We'll get into that later. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> We're all keen to talk about Scream. It's weird that we leapt from Scream 96 to Scream 2022, but not really because we covered that in order <laughs> for. You know, we covered that because this one was coming out in the cinema last year, and now we're covering this because Scream 6 is coming out. And in a way, this does work just with that first one, as again, I'm sure we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah, there should be some interesting stuff to, to chat about. I've got a few notes, and I think you guys have as well. Uh, yeah. But if, uh, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you will know that the first thing we usually do is have a little behind-the-scenes section, just some uh, information and bits and pieces from behind the scenes. I should qualify, by the way. Apologies if you hear me sound a little croaky or I cough or my voice goes a little bit. I'm just recovering from a very bad cold that I thought might have been COVID, but wasn't, thankfully. So... Um, even though I did write this behind the scenes section, I have given it to DK to do his usual job of reading it out. Um, because, you know, you don't want to hear my croaky voice when you can have DK's dulcet tones. <laughs> dulcet, <laughs> mate. So, uh... oh, <laughs> so without further ado, I'm going to throw on a little uh, background music for you, DK, as we've started doing. Okay. And uh, as soon as you hear that, if you take it away, let's see, what shall we pick? Night driving sounds or a movie-ish. There you go. Okay, now this is the first Scream movie not directed by Wes Craven, rest in peace. Previous Scream actors Matthew Lillard, Stu, Drew Barrymore, Casey, Jamie Kennedy, Randy, Hayden Panettiere, Kirby, Henry Winkler, woo, Himbry, and Adam Brody, Hoss, provide voiceovers for partygoers who participate in a toast for Wes, which doubled as a tribute for Wes Craven. Now, additional voiceovers in the toast are provided by directors Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette, Craven's widow Aya LaBunker, previous Scream screenwriter Kevin Williamson, previous composer Marco Beltrami, previous editor Patrick Lussier, previous co-producer Julie Pleck, and filmmaker Ryan Johnson. Lillard also, provide, also voices Ghostface in Stab 8 and Barrymore voices a school principal. Oh, nice one. I didn't know that myself. Now, while Richie is watching a YouTube video about Stab 8, 
one of the thumbnail recommendations beside it is an interview with Woodsboro survivor Kirby Reed, played by Hayden Panettiere in Scream 4. The uh, Easter egg confirms her survival as her fate had been speculated ever since the release of the fourth film. Spoilers, if you've not seen it. Uh, James A. Jennings and Chelsea Rebecca of the YouTube channel Dead Me appear as the hosts of the fictional YouTube channel Film Fails. Now, original drafts were titled Scream Forever before settling on just Scream. Reports that Scream 6 was to be called Ghostface and Robin remain unconfirmed. <laughs> when, when writer-slash-producer James Vanderbilt first presented the script to original screenwriter Kevin Williamson and asked him to be part of the film, he turned the offer down, claiming he didn't want to be involved in a Scream project without Wes Craven. Now, Williamson eventually contacted Vanderbilt later on, agreeing to join the film under the condition that the film be dedicated to Wes Craven. Now, there's a few more things here, uh, but they do contain spoilers. So if you've not seen the movie, although if you haven't, why are you listening to this? Uh, but yeah. In the midst of production, the studio got cold feet on killing off the character of Dewey and requested that the directors film an alternate scene showing his survival. Bettinelli Alpin and Gillette shot a brief scene with Campbell and Cox with, and I quote, no intention of ever fucking using it. Now, filming was completed on November the 17th, 2020. The existence of not only multiple versions of the film screenplay, but also multiple filmed scenes to avoid details of the actual storyline being leaked before the film's release was confirmed in April 2021. Now, the filmmakers claim that Amber carried out 90% of the killings, with her far more keen to get her hands dirty and Richie more content to just direct from afar. And protagonist Sam's surname of Carpenter is an obvious homage to horror legend John Carpenter. If she'd been aware of her parentage and kept her father's surname, she would be Sam Lunis. A double reference, as this is the name of the uh, psychologist played by Donald Pleasance and uh, Martin McDowell, if you're looking at the reboots, in the Halloween movies. And uh, yeah, that's what I have because that's what Mike provided. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, um, I, I put in that thing about um, who did the most killings because I found it really interesting that they commented on that in the the um, sort of behind-the-scenes stuff and things the directors, and I was like, hmm, because it does seem like Amber's the more crazy of the killers, uh, for definite. And, Just uh, a bit. <laughs> and it does seem like Richie's kind of the, you know, film student-y guy, no offence to myself, who's <laughs> like, we'll direct this and it'll be so clever, but... Uh, yeah, it's interesting when you watch it, because like, obviously I've watched this a couple of times now, and when you watch it with that in mind, I'm really curious, especially when it comes to like the first kill, is that just like Amber set up a time delay on <clears> the <throat> camera that was filming herself? Because like, mm, how, how did yeah, she achieve yeah. that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I hadn't, so I watched it properly last night, and like I said to you boys off, off there before we start recording, I've got it on in the background now, like, obviously on mute for copyright reasons. Um, literally, yeah. um, I hadn't seen it since a year ago, and I, I was surprised about how much of it came back to me. But then like you, mm. I'm now sort of, like I won't jump in as to who they are. Obviously, I mean we may have mentioned names already, but like they only have yeah. how I mean, kill, like all right, uh, freaking what? Ah, oh, Huey, Huey from the boys, Jack Quaid, <laughs> yeah, and fucking the girl. What's what's the, what's the girl's name? The actress. I can't. Her name escapes me. Oh, the Amber, actress right, is called Amber. Mikey Madison, but yeah, <laughs> Amber. But I mean, I'm I was she was the one I kind of forgot initially. Huey stuck mm. out like a sore thumb um, mm -hmm. to me. 
But Amber, on the other hand, I think what gave her away is that I don't think she was in the movie as much as I thought she would have been. I don't know about that. (laughs) She seemed like she was in it quite a lot, but the film, again, I'm sure I'll get into it more, but it does an awful lot of kind of seeming to point it out and then make the audience go like, well, it's too obvious. You wouldn't have revealed it this early. And yet it kind of does. Like there's a really early scene where her and Richie like accuse each other of being the killers. And I'm like, when you watch that knowing who it actually is, it's kind of like, huh, (laughs) that's really Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's convenient. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, you know, it being the boyfriend who then gets attacked so that he can fake not being the killer is literally exactly what happens in Scream 1. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. If you are unfamiliar with the podcast, we tend to break our reviews down into little sections so that we're not just giving a sort of blow-by-blow synopsis of the film. uh, And we break it into things like acting, directing, um, visual effects, music, the writing and the plot. Not necessarily in this order, because I'm just working from memory. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and then we uh, we break into asking the favourite character moment and line of each of our reviewers, all three of us here, uh, and then a brief conclusion and a score out of five stars. So, have uh, have we all got everything ready for our notes then, chaps? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, be- I believe so, I believe so. Awesome, awesome. We've already started talking about it. So the first thing I have down, uh, the first section I've got into is the acting. So before I dive into any of my notes, do either of you want to start with uh, anything you have about the acting or the actors in the film? Yeah. Uh... I'll, I'll say, which I, I, I didn't think for the sequels. I mean, I'm, I'm not like you. I kind of stuck with the first one and then not bypassed them, but they never really made an impact on me, the ones afterwards. I do find ah. the uh, the new leads, uh, Melissa Brera and Jenna Ortega, really likable. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I mean, obviously, it's, it's great to see the legacy characters, but uh, as the franchise hopefully you know keeps moving forward... It would be nice to see these sisters again, you know. Obviously, more than Will. you know, <laughs> not, not counting the one that's out in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, I yeah. think they're uh, really, you know, really likable, uh, both actresses and uh, characters in the movie. And yeah, yeah, I would agree. I don't know who you're referring to with this, Jenna Ortega. Do you mean TikTok star Wednesday Adams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that this you, came out as well? Like Jenna Ortega was virtually unheard of outside of like kids TV when ex- exactly, Five yeah. came out, and then now she's just exploded yeah. everywhere. She's she's a living meme. She's a walking TikTok <laughs> meme. <laughs> Absolutely insane. But yeah, I agree with you. I think those two, particularly uh, as leads of the film, are really good. I think everybody <clears> is. And yes, audience, you should be aware. I am the absolute scream nut of the group. I love all of the scream <laughs> movies. Um, I, I, I really, uh, I'm the sad case that appreciated that they brought back Marley Shelton as like, Judy Hicks. So uh, from Scream Four, so I was like, yeah, I love that it's actually a continuation of this franchise as well as you know, that's as they get into, it's kind of a, a what did they call it, a um, a requel. It's a kind requel, of, yeah. it's, a requel. it's a reboot, but also a sequel. Which yeah, it works. Fair enough. Um, and without I, spoiling I, things, it all goes back to the original. It all goes back to the original. Well, <laughs> It does, but this is a slight spoiler for the others if you haven't seen them. This is the one scene that really bugged me, um, is that when Sydney says, kind of, um, you know, the person that started all of this was Billy Loomis, I'm like, are we forgetting Scream 3? <laughs> I mean, I know it yeah. wasn't the best of the franchise, but, yeah. you know... <laughs> 
there's an argument that who actually started it was, you know, her long lost brother. But again, you know, it's just going to start getting confusing <clears throat> if you get into that. And I suppose it ultimately was Billy and Stu, so we'll forgive them. Um, but yeah, so any other thoughts on the acting then, DK, apart from the main sort of uh, two sort of lead protagonist females in this? I thought uh, everybody did a, a fairly decent job, although I cannot see uh, Quaid and not think Boimler these days. So, oh yeah, from Star Trek Lower Decks, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind that that's kind of off-putting. But other than that, I, uh, as I say, I, th- I think all the characters in this were uh, were pretty likable. Obviously, you know, I have bad vibes about some of them, which uh, which turned mm-hmm. out to be all right, but. Yeah, I think I think all the cast pretty much holds up well. <clears throat> yeah, I think, and I've made this note. I think they actually play really cleverly off that with Jack Quaid because the fact that they're repeating the same beats from Scream One would make you be like, um, "Oh, it's they're doing a Billy," but his mm. sort of persona and everything he does, being the kind of luckless, nerdy, <laughs> nice guy, and that's like how he plays it all the way through. You're like, "Well, this guy can't be the killer." So when the turn happens at the end, I think he's Surely brilliant not. because it's fully surprising and he just he switches into really demented and evil really well and it's not something we've really seen him do because even as in like the no, world of the boys which no. is that kind of universe he's always like oh i've got superhero guts on me or whatever you know <laughs> yeah uh did you think the same thing uh connor yeah um well I, I don't know maybe i just sort of had that doubt on initial viewing but i i, I don't want to say i got it but i kind of mm. in his fight with the scene before his turn i kind of had a hunch i had an inkling and i kind of went oh shit <laughs> um <laughs> but the whole time well, he purposely he purposely did it quite well for like three yeah. quarters of the movie he did fool me but then in them in the scene before it i did kind of go yeah. <gasps> it's him well, it's him at that point there wasn't really many suspects left though in fairness no there was, was it was like it's him it's and him. As, as soon as he was basically like it's your sister we're like yeah no it's not dude it's you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we don't buy this either um but yeah that's cool and uh on the other side of that then talking about the other killer i fully always suspected mikey madison <clears throat> and no offense to the woman but she just looks fully crazy yeah she There's she looks like about her. <laughs> that's what we're not attacking her i promise from certain people at the start <laughs> yeah that's what i mean she kind of i don't know if it's just the way she plays it or what and somebody brings it up in the audience interaction section it's so weird that she's also in once upon a time in hollywood and dies in the same way. Yeah, she gets like yeah. burned alive in that movie. Yeah, I didn't well, realize. I didn't realize until I googled it. Yeah, I didn't realize it was there. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like, what are the odds of that crazy <clears throat> coincidence? But uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> talking about uh, Jenna Ortega because the film kind of starts with her as the first. I would say first kill, but she's actually the first <clears throat> person attacked in a scream movie at the start who doesn't get killed. She's the first that survives. Even though I will say. Having watched it now a couple of times, I'm still really vague on how the heck she survived. Because yeah, exactly, it is a, a bit baffling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I thought she was good. She, uh, I like the fact that she's kind of got the fear going for her. She starts out with a little bit of the arrogance about like I prefer elevated horror and blah blah, and then she's really afraid when she's kind of trying to lock the alarm and stuff. And then the genuine sort of joy when she thinks she's got the answer right about the movie and. Uh, Oh, it was actually mm. Billy Loomis. I got you. I won. And it's like, no, you forgot about Stu. And uh, you know, which, by the way, so unfair. I mean, no, she's technically nobody lost. can forget. <laughs> nobody can forget Shaggy. Spoiler alert for those that haven't seen Scream One or the review from last year. But no one can forget Shaggy. Be so pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> no one can forget Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Lillard, man, what a guy. But no, I thought she was. Uh, 
she was really good in that scene. She fully convinced me. And uh, again, this is the first time I'd seen her at the time when it first came out. But then all through the movie, she's kind of like the actual physical pain when she's moving out of the hospital or the scenes that she has mm. with Sam, where it's kind of alluding to their um, sort of clashing with each other or because Sam left and the reasons <coughs> why and stuff are really well played and emotional. So, yeah, I understand yeah. all of that. And I think it was a very... A very competent performance that was ultimately, as DK said, kind of the co-lead of the perform of the film in a sneaky way that you wouldn't have expected. Because as soon as you saw the opening, you were like, "Well, she's the first kill. She's the Drew Barrymore oh. of this movie who's yeah, see, not yeah, going to yeah. survive." <laughs> we should talk about the other person who's been in all of the Scream movies. As of Scream Six, he will be the only person, along with Courtney Cox, to be in every one. Roger Jackson, who does the voice of Ghostface, who's. Uh, I've specifically made a note because he's really good at the start when he first calls Tara, the General Ortega character, and he's just sounding like mm. an average dude and like, oh, I met your mom in uh, what was it, in group or something. Yeah. And you know it's his voice, but he just sounds so kind of normal and average. It's off-putting. So that when he switches to the like, oh, he, he was proud to make a fan of you. Do you like scary movies? You're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's this dude. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I did yeah, exactly. I did read somewhere, though, that um, this is dedication, that he's actually on the phone to the actors in all of the instances throughout oh. the films of, like, uh, Ghostface calling people. It's not like he comes in and dubs the lines in later. He's actually talking to them. And I was like, man, that's just brilliant. <laughs> that's <laughs> nice attention to detail. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, good. Yeah. I, now we have to find out if he does cameo. <laughs> I thoroughly <laughs> doubt it, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. And I did read um, him and the filmmakers were a little bit unsure about the idea that's in this one, that it's kind of like built into the costume that it has the voice changer that does that. But at this stage, mm. I mean, you, you had the one in Scream 3 that could imitate other people's voices and stuff. That's nothing at this point. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mentioned already, I, I liked seeing Marley Shelton again. It's always great to, uh, to see her and her character was really something I enjoyed her kind of... Um, her bitching with Gail in the in Scream Four, with the kind of jealousy of that she was trying to woo Dewey or whatever. So it was kind of <laughs> nice to revisit a little bit of that. Um, but you know, even though she's kind of the comedy character, I felt like weirdly conflicted because when she's being mean to Sam as the lead of the film, you're like, "Oh, don't be a bitch. This isn't what I'm used to." And then completely breaks my heart when she's like chasing on her way back and she's like, "Don't hurt my boy." And then they both get horribly killed anyway. <laughs> I don't know Judy from Scream Four because I. I kind of blanked. You barely remember it. <laughs> yeah. Sheriff, Sheriff Hicks. Sheriff Hicks. Deputy Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. Um, it's kind of nice because, like I said, there's a moment when she's being killed when Sam and Gail meet for the first time and Sam says, oh, she didn't like me very much. And Gail's like, oh, ditto. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember your <laughs> in that fourth movie. Um, but again, you don't need that really. I don't suppose it matters. You can still understand the film. Um so I, I want to talk a little bit then about the actual lead of the film, Melissa Barrera, because we haven't really talked about that. I think I was super impressed, especially on this rewatch, how much she like carries the film, because she's like for the first time, arguably taking the kind of Sydney lead role in the movie. Uh, and not only that, she then has to kind of do the whole twist of seeing hallucinations of Billy Loomis and stuff, and yeah, easily have become cheesy and hokey, but she does it really well, I thought. And uh, yeah, that scene, the particular one key scene that I would point out is like a, this she should put on her kind of acting reel was when she's like confessing to Tara in the hospital why she left and like I was really scared I'd hurt you and I would never have done that. <coughs> it's really vulnerable. I was like, wow, this is actually a fantastic performance in like a There's, slash yeah. horror movie. <laughs> actual emotional weight in a story in a universe that takes the piss out of its own genre. That this is actually yeah, exactly yeah, <laughs> cut, cutting full shit like be yeah. 
And um, yeah, totally. She carried the film, the performance. And the last sort of non-legacy character that's in the movie is Liv. Um, I didn't look up the actress who plays her because I'll be honest, she's barely got a character, but you kind of need canon fodder. But I will say she really impressed me and convinced me in the scenes toward the end when she's like played for the red herring and it's like, maybe I am yeah, the killer. You should yeah. think about that. And stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> a brief shout out to Kyle Gowner, who was Vince yeah, yeah. in the bar. Uh, Stu's nephew, yes. who was in it for about two minutes, because <laughs> yeah. he is red herring number one. You think, oh damn, he's going to be a mean ass motherfucker, and he gets killed by, yeah. you know, Ghostface, whilst the Peaky Blinder red right hand thing plays, and it's like, oh, you're not in this movie. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I just can't take him seriously because I remember when he was a lot younger, when he was like the Flash on Smallville. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no. Yeah, I will also that... say that I like uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy. I yes, like that uh, she yeah. took over, uh, yes, yes. you know, Randy's film nerd role. Yes, and I'm looking yeah, forward to her yeah. and her, uh, her and uh, Chad being in the next movie of Survivors. <laughs> even though, again, I have absolutely no idea how Chad survived this. Just a random sort of thumbs up at the end of the movie, and like, oh, he's he's alive. All right. He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. He's taking over the Dewey uh, should be dead, but you're not situation. Okay. Um, but yeah, they were very good, and it was nice to see um, Heather Matarazzo, I believe her name is, who plays uh, Randy's sister, uh, yes. reprise her role yeah. from Scream 3 very briefly. <laughs> so, yeah. See, I told you I was a fan of these movies. I know this stuff. Just, I just, just remember from Hospital 2 where she gets cut to shit. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> <clears throat> So, um, yeah, so then uh, I said three legacy characters, but of course we've technically got four. We've got Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, <laughs> David Arquette, and Skeet Ulrich all returning in this yeah. movie. So before yeah. before I get to my very brief notes, do you guys have any thoughts on any of those four? Um, it was good to see Skeet, uh, Billy Loomis. I mean, not just because we did the first one. And he, and again, it's not a character that is required. Like, oh, yeah, in case you didn't watch the first film, here he is in every installment. But it was just good to see him from a plot point of view, from a cameo point of view, that he was actually a presence in the movie. Not physically, of course, because he did die back in 96. But um, I don't know, through some plot devices and a good performance, again, from Melissa Barrera, it does... It, it was just a well-earned cameo that did serve purpose to the plot, and it wasn't just, oh, a face that you recognise. Yeah, and that was a surprise, because I remember hearing nothing about that going into the movie or about who Sam was or anything, so that was a kind of... Yeah, nice... yeah, yeah. My, I remember my jaw briefly dropped, because I went, oh, my God, I did the Leonardo DiCaprio, and I went, it's him, it's him, it's the thing, <laughs> it's the thing, it's him. <laughs> Pointing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's very him. true. Um yeah, I'll talk about when we get to talking about the visual effects, how successful or otherwise his various appearances were, but uh, that's for a different chat. But uh, yeah, so uh, any thoughts uh, from you, TK, on any of these guys? Or? Uh, the scene uh, where Gail and Dewey are talking about the breakup, I was trying to wonder how hard might that have been? I mean, there were a couple in real life at one point. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've more or less said exactly that, yeah, and behind the scenes stuff. They said those scenes were really hard to do because obviously they were together and separated. And I think I read somewhere that the directors <coughs> didn't bother putting the cameras on for one scene because it was re like way too emotional and real and it was obviously like about their shit and not the characters. So the they didn't see anything, didn't roll, let them get through the scene and get all their baggage out. And we're like, right, that was practice. Now we're going to actually roll and record for the movie. And I was like, oh, I kind of get, I kind of kind of appreciate that. You know, like you've, you've got the respect enough to know, like if you just chuck them together and say, now act like a divorced couple, 
that's going to suck. You know? Yeah. Um, I thought Arquette played sort of the despondent kind of uh, down and out character really well in this. So, yeah, yeah. it's a complete change of character though from the kind of doofy, you know, <laughs> no pun intended, sort of dorkyish type character to this like. As uh, as Jack Quinn, I think, says at one point, bargain basement <coughs> Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like discount Sam Elliott. Do you ever have to take your shit or what? Yeah, just because exactly. he does something like just because he doesn't have just because he has a gun doesn't mean I have to listen to him or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, just just because he's an ex cop doesn't mean I think he should be trusted with a gun. Something along those lines. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, awesome. One interesting thing I did uh, pick up when, well, I, I say I picked it up. I actually read it somewhere because I wouldn't have been this clever. Is that um, Dewey survives all of the other Scream movies and stuff? And I think it's in Scream Two. There's a line about like Dewey, you have more lives than a cat. And then when they first meet him in this movie, he's, he says that he's been stabbed nine times. So yeah, naturally, yeah. when he gets attacked again, no lives left. <laughs> wow. Well, well, that, well, that's a fucking, um, well, not a red herring, but what is that? that is, I don't know what they called it in movie terms. But that literally did sum out like, oh, yeah, he's going to die in this movie, but we're not going to tell you. But if, because you yeah. remembered that fact, or like you said, you researched it. It literally does sort of spoil his fate that early on in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, because like I said, they're quite clever when you get to that scene, because he does get away with them. And then you find yourself Mm. doing that horror movie thing of screaming at the screen when he's like, oh, I've got to shoot them in the head. I'll go back. Who the fuck is? And he's like, like, oh, dude, you idiot. You were out. You should have just kept going, man. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. I I always love Arquette in in uh, in screen, you know the first the first time I watched this when it was out last year, you know my reaction was Dewey. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't happy with his fate, and you know I was kind of there going, no, he's going to get through it, he's going to get through it, and then the guts landed on the floor. I was like, okay, maybe mm. not. Yeah, they kind of had to make it very explicit that he wasn't surviving after so many times that they were like, yeah, let's go full on gory and like, he ain't surviving this. He's got nothing left inside of him, you know. But, uh, fatality. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Fatality. <laughs> Mortal Kombat style, indeed. So, uh, yeah, fair enough. And uh, yeah, I thought he was really good. And uh, it was nice to see him doing something other than weird extreme wrestling. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know about this, look up some videos of David Arquette doing like ECW type no holds barred wrestling. It's so weird. <laughs> former former w, WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bizarre, but uh, yeah. And then so the the only ones we haven't talked about then are Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. Um, it surprised me on rewatch how little Nev was actually in this. <laughs> I was literally just going to say the same thing. She's there. barely, she's barely in this one. She's barely in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's a shame because she is a really good presence. And like when I found out that she wasn't going to be in six, I was initially like, "Oh well, maybe I won't watch it then," because you know you can't have a screen movie without seeing. <laughs> and then rewatching this, it's like they kind of do do the work of like she's not as important now with the new characters. So yeah. you can kind of have it like she's she's passed the torch to use their joke. Um, to this kind of new generation and I'm like oh it's a shame but she's great in the scenes that she's in uh, like being badass and sort of um, again you feel the emotional stakes because she's like I'm you know nothing on, on earth could make me set foot back in that town and then Dewey <coughs> ties and it's like yep that'll do it back, back here because of what happened to him and that's what it is but I did also like when she's like um, I, I want basically us to get together and kill this guy because running doesn't work and I've got kids and we'll be the ones that are next. So let's just kill this fucker. You know? so, yeah, I do I do oh, like that scene where she, where she says, you want me to help you and the host of the morning show commit murder? And they're both like, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it like that, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, the other sweet moment was when she uh, she's kind of nonplussed by Sam and uh, Tara driving off and just says, I put a tracker on the car. It seemed like something Gail Weathers would do. <laughs> and Gail's like, I'm not sure if I should be flattered by that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, kind of cool. Their relationships are a good one in this film as well. But it's a shame she didn't get any scenes with Arquette other than, you know, after he'd been killed. Um, yeah, I thought she was good. And Courtney Cox, obviously always great in these movies. And, uh, <coughs> you know, it's kind of a thankless role being the kind of, I know this, I've done this all before and whatever. But she does it well, I think. And as you said, she gets the emotional scenes with Dewey and then after he's dead. And she does kind of get to have the emotional payoff at the end when Sydney's like, this kills yours because... You owe her for killing Dewey or whatever. So, yeah, it all works. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, anything you guys think about the uh, the legacy guys? Then? Well, the only thing I would say when it comes to Courtney Cox is I'm worried about her fate in the new one. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my gut reaction. Yeah, what are yeah. they going to do with her in this new one? Mm. Dewey's gone. Um, Sydney's not there. There's only one legacy character left, really. And, you know. yeah. I'm very suspicious of the fact that uh, on the character posters for the movie, they've got like 20 character posters and they're all holding a knife because in the promos for this one, they yeah. were holding the screen mask and they're all holding the knives one <clears> way <throat> and then she's the only one that's holding the knife downwards. And I'm like, that has oh, to mean something. Oh, oh no, <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But maybe do you have fallen for the over the edge? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I've, I've fallen for this before because I was convinced she was the killer in Scream 2. To the point that when she gets marched out by Jackie from Rosanna, I was like, aha, see? And then the big reveal happens later, and I'm like, oh, it wasn't her. <laughs> yeah. Scream 2 references for people that haven't seen that in a while. Um, and a Roseanne reference. Jesus, man. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. For the younger generation, Sheldon's <laughs> man from the Big Bang Theory boxes are out there. <laughs> where, where else would you know Laurie Metcalf from, for crying out loud? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Let's see. I think I had one more thing. Oh, yeah. This is just not related to anything. But again, as a huge Scream nerd, it was nice to get the reveal that um, Sydney did actually marry the detective character, played by Patrick Dempsey from Scream 3. Because she reveals that it is Mark that she's married to and has kids with. Throwaway line, but again, as a big nerd for these things, I was like, oh, awesome. That's cool. Nice to have that finally revealed. Um, but yeah, because <laughs> that kind of leads me to the next section, because the next thing I was going to talk about is the writing and the plot. And the reason why I think four and five work where three didn't is they actually have a clever angle of what they're saying stuff about. Like the first movie is obviously mm. about, you know, slasher horror movies. The second one's about sequels. The third doesn't know what it's trying to say. It tries to like go <laughs> the line of talking about the last act in a trilogy and whatever, but it kind of fumbles it. But then four does the thing being about loose reboots and then five. Yeah. Everyone by being about like um, requels basically. And I was like, ah, oh, and, you know, the, the ultimate reveal being that it's more about toxic fandom. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's more than an undercurrent about... Um, and subreddits, and subreddits. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that, because, like I said, that's really a key part of the movie is, you know, it's taken <clears> in. <throat> like, franchises are just so dang important, and how can fans be toxic? And I was not expecting that to be what they, what they lampooned in this movie, which, again, makes me slightly concerned. Yeah. What are they seeing in Scream 6? What are they... What are they sending? Little, up? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, although I suppose the fact that they're in New York means they could be sending up that whole, you know, Jason takes Manhattan killer arrives in New York type. Oh my! Thing that you do <laughs> get in those. Didn't Jason oh, do that God. himself though? <laughs> 
Well, no. it's, it's not a great movie. <clears throat> <laughs> Hey, nobody said it was a classic, but you know, see, I'm just saying it's not just like that's the biggest example, but there are always those things like even Leprechaun in the Hood, you know, where horror franchises oh, just go to oh, no. or whatever, you know. Oh, no. Oh, you're really <laughs> trying to sell Scream 6 to me now. <laughs> you're really starting to sell it to me. Oh, I don't know whether to be excited now for Scream 6 or, to, or just to worry about it and what we're going to see. <laughs> No, I think it's there's there's rich things that it could be about, you know, when a franchise that's mm-hmm. a down sort of slasher horror decides to go to the big city, you could potentially make something of it. But yeah, we'll see anyway. It's not out yet. So we'll <laughs> remain yeah, see. no. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. So do you guys have any sort of initial thoughts on the writing or the overall plot of the movie then before I hit my notes? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I enjoyed it. There's some, there's some good lines in it. It's pretty much a mirror of the first movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like unbearably so, and that's where I was a bit, I was a little bit anxious on repeat viewing. I was kind of thinking, oh, this is just the first, but modernized. But and in the like the behind the scene interviews on the on the extras, like they do kind of say like, um, yeah, like it's screen for the next generation. However, we can't go away from the original. We, we're trying to pay homage to Wes and his vision, yet tell our own story. And the studio told them, that, you know, we've got to make it shot like a 2022 movie. But from a plot point of view, like DK just said, it literally is like a copy of the first, but with a lot more yeah. like relevant I, topics and discussion and culture behind it. I see what you mean, but I think, first of all, I would say they subvert that straight away by having Jenna Ortega survive. Whereas Drew Barrymore obviously very much didn't. Yeah, rip, rip. <laughs> and you know, and it's supposed to be um, two people that die at the start of all these movies, and she's only on her own. So already you've done something different, I think, to start with, which puts you on the kind of all right. It's not just a carbon copy, <clears throat> but the reason that I think mm. it kind of hits all those beats after that is it relates to what they're already sort of parodying and making fun of, which is they reference later on, like Halloween. Like if you watch Halloween twenty eighteen, there's a lot of very deliberate mirroring of Halloween 1978 yeah. and kind of the yeah. same shots yeah. or the same look out of a window or whatever. And I was like, I can appreciate it on that level because it is like a requel. That's what you're making. So, and that's yeah. why, you know, as much as it frustrates me, I get that's why they went <coughs> to the title Just Scream. So that they I could do make like the, you know, we they, they, they played on that kind of thing. You know, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. anybody that's grown up with any franchise Everyone is invested in their childhoods, you know what I mean? So when they yeah. when they mm-hmm. out, stuff like that and yeah, I think it's uh it's it's good how they lampoon that. I also think it's good how they lampoon themselves where you know, where they're going on about why don't you just call it stab eight instead of stab, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean, I can appreciate that's why they went with the title scream because even though they were marketing it as like a new start and stuff it is a direct sequel and that fits into that requel territory kind of thing discussion Um, yeah and when the first one came out when i i I do like the rules scene again but when the first one came out you didn't seem to have that toxic fandom as much as you do now no not at all no No, i mean they reference it um they reference it in the movie, as you said, Mindy, when she's giving that speech, she's like, it's not even just horror movies. I mean, you can look at like Halloween and whatever, but any attempt to do a remake fails. But then you'd go back and do these legacy things. And it's not even just that, but you can also include like Star Wars. And she rattles off a bunch of things that I, are yeah, not coming to my mind, uh, even though they should now. I mean, I'm, I'm already pissed off with Taika Waititi for, for redoing Time Bandit, but it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, they're well, just movies. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very curious modern phenomenon where instead of doing a remake, they kind of say, all right, we have to pay homage, so we're doing a, like I said, a requel, which is give it the same title, but don't ignore <clears> that it's following on. And Halloween is the prime example, obviously, where it's like ignore all the sequels, but, you know, we're called Halloween, Keep but we're actually the source. sequel to Halloween. So, you know, um, but like I said, they even, they even reference the fact that that's kind of what The Force Awakens is. It's the same movie as Star Wars Episode yeah. Four, but for a new generation so yeah. it's new but not because it's exactly the same beats and that's what people want you know um i literally saved the franchises she mentioned so she mentions halloween like we keep oh, mentioning good. uh saw terminator yeah. jurassic park yes. ghostbusters yeah. fuck even fucking star wars and that's how it ends. Yes. They're the French. I'm so glad you kept that speech because I couldn't keep up enough to write it down. But yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's my point. That's exactly what she's on about. Like, it's not, and he, she doesn't even mention it, but even like Evil Dead, they say it's a remake and then yeah, spoiler alert yeah. that movie, the post credit scene is Ash Williams and it turns out it's in the same universe after all. So it's not a remake, it's a sequel. Groovy. Like, it's like he says, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, at the end, he's saying these movies are important to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I think there is an argument there that the film is also making and that we, we've probably made as fans, which is you can't just keep having the same crap spoon fed to you and complaining right, when right, anything right. different is done, you know? Uh, <laughs> like I said, mm -hmm. it's, <laughs> it's no coincidence that they reference Ryan Johnson several times <laughs> in this movie and say, you know, um, again, oh my God, the knives out director. I love these take on it. <laughs> I'm sure that a certain section of the audience will switch off at this point, but yes, Ryan Johnson directed an episode eight, which moved away from all of the things that make a franchise good and polarized people. Hmm. I wonder what you could possibly be referring to there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, it was interesting to see them, like I said, play with the, th that sort of angle of things. And like you said, it was so weird seeing like uh, Huey, <laughs> Jack Quaid voice that at the end of like, how, how can fandom be toxic? It's about love. And you just think, wow, these people really are just this deluded, aren't they? You know? <laughs> that is kind of scary in a weird uh, it's like real world. They wrote the script by, by trolling Facebook threads. <laughs> or Reddit, yeah, as, yeah. as uh, Connor said, and as the film says, subreddits. You know, we met on a stab subreddit. <laughs> I just want to make the best movie. They're better when they're based on real life stuff and what have you. It's like, all right, Jesus. Yeah, all right, I get you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so I'll get into the little bits that I've got because it kind of goes uh, chronologically with the film, the writing. So straight from the off, you kind of get um, Tara talking <clears> about <throat> how you know her favorite scary movie is The Babadook because she prefers this new concept of elevated horror. <laughs> you know, which is again something that wasn't really around in the nineties when the no. screen movies started. And she even says that, yes, I've seen Stab, but it's very like super nineties. And ooh, don't they always start with a kill scene, which is very meta, referring to herself, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, mm. Yeah. And then, uh, as I said, the very meta hint about Amber, like knowing on the text, like oh, <laughs> uh, I, you should answer the phone, and it's like oh, I'm not Amber. But then, as we find out, she is the killer. So it's kind of like. <laughs> it makes yeah, your head oh my explode with the more yeah. you think because you're like, actually, it is just her, isn't it? So, oh. It's kind of semi-related to that, but I do like the fact that all the screen movies like progress with new tech. So like obviously in 96, you just had Drew Barrymore getting a call on a like, cordless phone and it was the height of technology. On this one, you've got like, um, you know, she's on her cell phone. She's ignoring the landline. 
then you've got the the video uh, FaceTime sort of thing of Amber, and oh, I'm, I'm right next to her. I could kill her. And even the security lock enabled, disabled kind of nonsense that goes on. I'm like, all right, at least they, <laughs> you know, they're not just pretending like they're still in the 90s and she's just got to answer the phone and we can't do anything, that they're incorporating new stuff. And I'm yeah, like, I do really think they, uh, they updated it nicely for the, uh, you know, the digital age. And yeah. I say that yeah. as, as a very analog person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're the oldies here. <laughs> yeah, it was a kill, but not a kill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She lived. <laughs> she lived. Which was a shock, as you said, because they didn't really make it like, oh, it was. She just got away in time. It was like, wow, she's savagely getting stabbed a lot here. So yeah, the kill is very do incompetent. Do you think I made it inside your house before you could rearm? I loved that because that was a really good use of tension. Like, this is the next question. Did I make it inside before you were able to rearm them? Yeah. That's so cool. But then, like, it is kind of undercut by how incompetent they are that they just stabbed her about 20 times and missed every fight. Broke her, broke her fucking ankle. Um, and yeah, then she somehow exactly. still lives. <laughs> yeah. But at least they do get a line later on where they reference that, where the killer's like, I'll be sure to hit all the organs I missed in your sister this time. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny how dumb you were the first time, yeah? Wasn't the, wasn't the plan to bring bring her back to Woodsboro? <clears throat> so... Mm, that's true, actually, yeah. So you're probably right. They would have not wanted to necessarily... But then again, she would have come back for a funeral if they'd killed her, you know? So <laughs> I don't know if it was intentional that they were just that bad at killing her, but we'll see. I guess it's, you could read it that it, way. So. It is a bit of a Rube Goldberg plot, <laughs> as, you know, he tracking, he's tracking down this, oh, this girl and working with her just so he could, you know, eventually try and get into her pants and then get revenge. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure, from the from Richie's side of things, absolutely. But from Amber's, it's even weirder because she's like Tara's best friend as well. So it's kind of like, yeah, hmm, you know, there's a very weird relationship going on there because, yeah, very odd. And it is ultimately Tara that kills her in the end as well. So it's very in an hilarious way. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> naturally, but yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I wanted to say a little bit about, um, I, I like the introduction to Sam, uh, where it all sort of tells you a lot that you need to know and sets up a lot of the things that you're going to ask questions about. So she's taking pills and Richie like calls her on it. You see that he's her boyfriend. She's obviously taking them for a reason. Um, she's best friends with this person called Wes on the phone. And, you know, she, mm. they mentioned that her and Tara aren't on good terms, which makes you question why. And why is it particularly when you know, there's a lot of tension when they mentioned that a ghost face mask was involved. Like, why does that seem to have an effect on her? And like I said, these are all questions that can answer pretty quickly. It's not like, you know, they drag on, but I like that it's all it's all there in one scene. It's set up perfectly for you in that, like, uh, outside the gas station scene. The intro of the rest of the young cast being at school again is a nice, like, uh, mirror of the first movie, uh, including, you know, kind of having the killer there amongst without realising it, because um, we had Stu yeah. in that scene in the original. Well, and Billy, I guess. So. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, let's see. I think that's all I've got. About, not all about, I've got about the writing, but certainly the intro to the characters. Oh, yeah, and the introduction of Vince, as you've said, who's, uh, you know, Cal Galner has a thankless role, but he's basically there as another suspect and, you know, a potential red herring, only to immediately get killed anyway, so kind of pointless. <laughs> but, you know, it's a slasher. You've got to have a body count, so we'll forgive it. Um so, yeah, any thoughts so far, guys? Uh, no, you pretty much covered everything so far. I've got nothing really in my notes that uh, 
but you've not covered. Sweet. Um, okay. Well, uh, I like that, uh, again, Richie plays all the kind of not me angles when it comes to being the killer. Like, oh, I don't know anything about these movies. I've never seen Stab and blah, blah. Um, but yeah. it's, it's also nice on a meta level that he calls out, it sounds like a lot like Halloween, these films, you know, but in a mask <laughs> off killing people. And it's like, yeah, okay, you know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, um, I also think it's, he, even, uh, he, he even mentions Jason. He's something like, I can't think of the fucking quote, but it's in that very same scene when he mentions Halloween a lot, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Like um, something about sounding like Jason Voorhees, but <laughs> let's not yeah. do his ideas again or whatever it is. I can't think of the quote. I didn't say Who, that. What one. kind of psychopath would watch the movie and think like, "Ah, oh, that Jason Voorhees has some good ideas. Let's see the... yeah, <laughs> something yeah, along yeah, those lines," yeah, which again is is kind of clever because that's literally exactly what he is doing. So <laughs> him playing the who'd be that crazy angle is a weird, you know. Mislead, but I mean, but I mean, what was his alibi? Uh, he was just watching Netflix, yeah. Watching Stab on Netflix, <laughs> what I just like to get prepared, he wants to get prepared, yeah. Or is again, it it's training? That, it's revision. Yeah. That scene is basically him and Amber accusing each other when they know that they're the two killers. It's such a weird scene in retrospect when you watch it, back yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. Like, what are you two doing here <laughs> on purpose, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I also think uh, the writing's really clever when um, it's just after you first see Billy that it's referenced that she has a family secret and that that's when she reveals like who her, her dad is and what, what have you to Tara. So it doesn't again dawdle with that. And it, it was a shock at the time. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, wow, OK, it's Billy Loomis kid. He had a kid. OK, fair enough. Uh, awesome. Um, I made a note that it's 31 minutes into the movie before any legacy characters appear. That's when you're introduced to Jeez. Dewey and then... Obviously, in the same scene, Gail on the TV, because you know that's it's in the same moment he's watching her. As he says later, it's quite a sweet thing. And it's like the mornings are easier because I can see you on TV and pretend. So oh, that was quite nice. He's like, "Why should I talk uh, to you? I'm uh, Billy Loomis's daughter. Oh, that's a terrible reason to talk to you." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I do like that uh, he he kind of points out, "Well, it's, it's always the boyfriend. You've got to suspect it." And then again, when he turns, Richie's like. You should have listened to Dewey. Nailed it first time. Yeah. You've got to look at the boyfriend. Um, but he also gets like related. Like, he gets the Randy role of telling you the rules, which I did remember to write down, and I'm sure you probably did the same, Connor. So do you uh, do you have them written down, and do you want to read them out? Or I mean, so three rules. I think if I remember rightly, it's on the top of my notes. Uh, right. So rule number one: never trust a love interest. <laughs> rule number two: what's the killer's motive? <laughs> What is the killer's motive? And then finally, rule number three, the first victim always has a friend group that the killer is a part of. And yeah, yeah it's all correct. It's all correct. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the second one is like the motive's always connected to the past in some way. And that leads them to question yeah. like, well, why did Vince get killed? It would seem like, and then the big <clears> kind of somewhat cheesy reveal of, well, turns out he's Stu Marker's nephew. I was like, all right, mighty convenient, but I'll let you off with that as yeah. well. Yeah, and then as you said, the, the victim having a friend group the killer is always a part of. Of course, that's always the case. I remember when uh, the marketing came out for this film, they had all the characters on the poster and the ghost face mask, and the tagline was just, the killer is on this poster, which could obviously refer to, you know, the mask, but also they were literally, like, amongst the group. Because I said that's, <laughs> that's one of the things I like about these is that they also are whodunits of, like, which one of these is going to turn out to be the killer or killers, usually. So, yeah. And that probably won't so ever change. Let's say Scream 6. Whoever it is, we won't find out until we watch the bloody thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, no, because like, I kind of like that. I'd rather I'd rather that than kind of go in. Well, I know that it's going to be this. You know, it's this new yeah, character. Do the, really the killer. Do like elimination. Yeah, process by elimination. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not fun. Although I I, I have fun. my suspicions because you don't cast a big actress like Samara Weaving in Scream Six and then not make a big right. deal out of it and kind of exactly. Like, she's yeah. she's definitely the killer in that one. And apologies <laughs> if I've nailed that first time when we all go to watch Scream Six. By the way. It's completely random, but there's like little nice moments that I like in the movie. And one of them was when Dewey texts Gale about the killings and then just literally says to himself, I probably shouldn't have put that smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. That, like, yeah. that really made me laugh. I was like, yeah, I, I would do something stupid like that as well, man. I like the bit later on where Sydney and Gale are approaching <laughs> the house and uh, Amber, you know, plods out going, I've been stabbed, I've been stabbed. And so, what do you think, Trap? Yeah, and she just doesn't have anything. <laughs> oh, fuck it. And just pulls the gun out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd love that about the returning characters. Like I said, that's kind of related to my point about Sydney is that they're not victims. They're always coming back and they're like, we're smarter than this. Come on. <laughs> to even the point where they're like, careful, the killer always comes back. You better make sure. And then, you know, she naturally <laughs> pumps like several bullets into Richie's head. And then Amber, having been previously burned <laughs> to death, piles out of the kitchen at them. And you're like, yep, learn. Learn the lesson, guys. I love the the kind of we've already kind of touched upon it, but I love that the, again referring everything to the past. It was nice that it is Randy's niece and nephew that are the main characters, and <laughs> I did appreciate that they have a Randy was it Randy Hicks uh, Randy Meeks Memorial Theatre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Randomly. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I, that makes sense. And uh, again, just funny lines in that scene where they're like, "Dewey, maybe you're the killer. You know, your your wife's left you, and you've been fired from your police job, and you're bitter." And he's like, "Well, maybe you're the killer because that cut deep." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I have some little bits about the kind of as as I said, they're talking about you know someone's making a requel or a sequel. Fans are torn on the terminology. You know, the last stab was made by the Knives Out guy. We've already talked about all that. Some people liked it. Well, you have terrible taste. Obviously, a reference to Last Jedi. Um, you know, hardcore stab fans hated it. It tried to cram in. That was it. It tried to cram in social commentary. Uh, it pissed on everyone's childhood. And the main character was a Mary Sue. All criticisms of The Last Jedi as well. I was like, yep, this is all, all the crap. You know, you may as well just say they made it walk and be done with it because we've heard this all before. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what the, as you were saying, it's clearly not like when you see it in elevated horror, but it's all the criticisms that you hear from these, you know, keep it the same. Yeah. Toxic fans, yeah. you know. Uh, the idea that, oh, um, you're safe, Wes, nobody cares about the shitty sequels, which you've all proved right when it comes to Scream 4, even though they then do get killed anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, th that's another deleted scene, which is kind of, uh, it's weird that it's not <clears throat> in the movie because it kind of helps to quantify that because you get a scene where Sam kind of attacks uh, Mindy and says, I thought you said nobody cared about the inferior sequels. And it turns out it's it's a diversion whilst the killers are attacking Tara in the hospital. So it kind of explains it in that way. Like she was kind of right, maybe. Um, yeah, again, you don't need that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, the first fucking rule of these movies is don't split up. And of course, that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, not for the first time. So... Yeah, uh, that was all my notes on the writing that I've piled through. Anything, anything else from you two? Don't uh, go in the basement alone. And what happens a couple of times, they go in the basement alone. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did like that scene between uh, Amber and Mindy in the basement. 
I, I, yeah, I yeah. I think they overplayed it. They did it. They they killed the joke because they played it a bit too much. And I was like, all right, a little bit would have went a long way here, but when it's constant, you know, what I mean? yeah, it's. Like, I did like that that scene though. Where she said, "I'm not the killer." No, because I am. And you just say, like, "I'm oh, not." <laughs> yeah, like, don't do that. You don't I, come down here on your own. You don't do this, and you don't. Oh, after you, ah, you're learning, and I'm like, forget it. And then literally the next scene is like him saying, accusing Liv upstairs, and I'm like, oh, <clears> come on, enough. We've done this now. You know, we get it. Everyone's a suspect. Yeah, but again, it's funny, and you know, it it serves to provide you with some red herrings. So why not? I guess uh, if only Mindy knew though that uh, she was talking to the actual killer the whole time. Like, you, how could you well, be foolish yeah. enough to come here on your own, Amber? Because she's the killer, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, awesome. Anything else? Uh, no, I just like that. I like the little Easter egg where uh, obviously Kevin Williamson. She's in the hospital watching Dawson's Creek. Yeah, <laughs> I did note that. One. Yeah, it's, it's in my notes somewhere, but I haven't brought it up yet. Yes, yes, Kevin Williamson, creator of Dawson's Creek and writer of the original Scream. So nice little meta reference there as well. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the other thing I quoted. Um, so I've actually never seen Stab. You've actually never seen Stab? Not even the one that came out last year. That has a meta reference, obviously, yeah. to the last one. <laughs> um, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I've never seen Gone with the Wind either, but I don't consider it like a huge hole in my cinematic education. And that's literally going to be my excuse as to why I haven't seen said movie. Look, I haven't seen this movie either, <laughs> but it hasn't got a big massive hole. <laughs> yeah, but that I'm relates to what I was saying about, like, that's, that's Richie, like, literally lying, effectively, because it turns out he's, like, a stab <clears> mega fan, and it's like, they, they ruined my childhood, and we need to bring these movies back, and yet he's like, I've never seen a stab movie, but, uh, yeah, clearly lying, so, <laughs> awesome, yeah, yeah, anything else? I've not got any, no, she's, I mean, you know, the this is the, the little lines, like, time to pass the torch, and then a couple of minutes later, enjoy that torch. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Literally. It's great. Um, it's, it's always so clever and funny, these movies. And again, it's it's amazing that they can manage to do that after five. They've still got those moments, which uh, I appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, Connor, you were saying. <laughs> um, I've literally just scrolling down. Um, they mentioned about the recall and other franchises that the fans won't stand for if they get it wrong. So they mentioned Black mm. Christmas, Child's Play, Flatliners, uh, and it just ends with that shit doesn't work. Yeah, that's talking about uh, when they try a remake rather than a recall, because yeah. those are all yeah. things where they've yeah. completely restarted the, the franchise. Changed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because, um, yeah, I mean, they've even tried in, I don't know if they bring it up, but even like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, that, you know, they tried to do complete re reboots from the start and they didn't work. So, <laughs> yeah, mm. clearly there is some truth to that, but we'll see, <clears throat> I suppose. Um yeah, anyway, so the next section that I had then was just bits of direction that I've, I've got notes about. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll pass it to you, uh, you two chaps first. Anything that you wanted to bring up or, or mention about that? Go for it, Connor. Oh, direction. Um, when you say direction, are you talking about any te like technical behind-the-camera tricks or are you just sort of like visual homages or, or what do you mean by directing as such? All of that. So, yeah, all of that in terms Everything. of... Like uh, yeah, like uh, I should mention, um, I don't know why I didn't put this in the BTS uh, behind the scenes stuff, but yeah, the directors <coughs> of this film are Matt Bettinelli Alpin and Tyler Gillette. They are part of a trio of filmmakers called Radio Silence, and they previously made the films Southbound, VHS, and Ready or Not. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, for example, yeah, Ready or Not, I really enjoyed. I, I, I 
didn't love it. I think it was just overhyped for me, but I wouldn't mind giving it another try. If only because, you know, tomorrow weaving. So why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I haven't really got anything because all of it is just how we keep saying it, it sort of compares to the first one, but isn't. They mm. kind of recreate a lot of the shots. Um, again, it's a 2022 movie shot like a 2022 movie, but then, like, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really have anything about directing, no, or any, like, little tricks or things that stick out at the minute or anything I've written down. Fair enough. I have way too much. I've just realised this is like my biggest section because I think I was being <laughs> being film nerdish about it. So, uh, yeah. Tiki, anything you've got before I pile into my big amount of notes here? Well, it kind of plays back to the, uh, the, the, the scene in the basement that you said they take a bit too far. But it mm. kind of works. It's the scene with Wes after his mother dies. And they mm. keep ramping up the tension by yes. giving you scenarios where you expect him to appear. But they don't just keep oh yeah yeah they just keep amping it up and amping. It's like you know the Spinal Tap turning up to eleven thing. By the time <laughs> you disappear, you just think, you're thinking, just fucking come on. <laughs> I love that though. I love that because, um, like I said, it's not done cheaply and it's done so much that I think it literally passes the point where it's ridiculous and goes back to being tense again because you know you're <laughs> expecting them. So like as you said, at that point you're just like, oh come on, just do it, just pull the trigger. One of these times you're going to yeah. close the door, they're going to be there. And then it, it in the end it subverts it quite wonderfully as it does throughout. By it's not like it doesn't even do that. They just dive at him out of nowhere when he's not doing <laughs> that. Like oh I've opened a door or somebody behind there. Oh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I really appreciated that as well. Yeah. And they do that a few times, subverting what you would expect with the jump scares and things. And and yeah. again, uh, happening back to what you were saying earlier about uh, Mickey Madison in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, her mm. final death in this just feels very Quentin Tarantino to me, where she just runs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <gasps> I think it's partly as well, as you've already alluded to, it was literally just so that they could make the enjoy that torch joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 They'd have to have and a being burned so you can make that gag, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, awesome. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, well, I've said, like, at the very start of the movie, I agree with you guys. I think the opening shots are basically very <clears> reminiscent <throat> of the first scream, like showing you the house and that it's isolated and it's a big house and, you know, focusing in on the, the one isolated poor woman that might get attacked here and I was like all right I get it and then um the way that it the camera pans out while the systems are disarming and reveals that she is actually absolutely alone in this big house which as you said is like it's already the visual shorthand before you get the cool line about did I make it in because you're like oh there's plenty of space here he could be anywhere um, <laughs> yeah I liked all that and I like the way that the there's a little bit of silent tension anticipating the kind of jump scares and then it never really relies on that cheaply. It kind of like the music stops and it'll go silent and you'll expect something, but then nothing will happen. And then out of nowhere, as I said, there'll be like a savage attack. The phone will ring. The phone will ring or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I also think during that first thing, as I was talking about, like, I don't know how Tara survived all this. <clears> I forgot how brutal it was that she just gets stabbed like straight through the hand. <laughs> I'm like, this yeah, is not brought oh up God, at yeah, any point yeah. in the rest of the movie. Like, she'd, she'd have lost the use of that hand for life. It goes right through, man. <laughs> like, come on, filmmakers, they're savage, and then there's logic. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, related to that, I did think when uh, the killer kills Vince, though, it was actually nicely different, because they've done so many of these movies that you, you rarely find anything different. And the way that it was just a very quick, like, prick to the neck, I was like, ah, I've not really seen anything like that. That's an interesting... Uh, just a quick, like, and he's dead moment. So I thought that was good. Um, yeah. 
uh, the shower scene being a reference to Psycho that they actually make again, very meta. Yeah, uh, I yeah. The, uh, the the kind of chase back to to try to rescue Wes was really well done and really good tension, and echoed later when they're chasing to the hospital to rescue Tara as well. Um, so I think the, the filmmakers are really good at that kind of we're racing against the clock to save a life kind of thing. Yeah. Urgency, race against time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And right to what I was saying about, like, yeah, th- th- sometimes they get very gory. Um, I will say I was not expecting quite how graphic the kind of cut through Wes's throat was or that you see the knife, but that special effect is freaking flawless. Because I was yeah. like, wow, you can't really see the joint there, and it looks so super real. But, like, obviously they didn't stick a knife through that guy's throat. But, yeah, very visceral, but very well Are we sure? Have we seen him in anything since? <laughs> who knows <laughs> as I've said already you know the, the reveal when uh, they're scared about Tara that she's actually all alone in this big empty hospital and the guard's dead and it's all just empty in as wide open space as the killer could be and then she starts kind of hiding in dark and the use of darkness and shadow there is like really cool for, for tension but also like trying to find a way to hide which she that did that, um, that's, that entire section did uh, remind me well that homage to Halloween 2 Maybe somebody did make the same comment on IMDb in the trivia. I'm not sure if it necessarily uh, has been confirmed as such, but it certainly seems that way. Because as you said, that's the sort of the the big in a hospital horror movie that we know of being nerds. So yeah, probably. Yeah. This is probably more of a writing type thing, but I thought it was really clever that the, the the killer's taunting her on the phone like you can't even make a choice. Will it be Richie or your sister? Or blah blah blah. You, but maybe you're just weak, and uh, it's one of those cool punch the air moments you sometimes get in these movies where she's like, "Oh, maybe I'm just stalling for time." Fuckhead, <laughs> just comes out <laughs> of the lift. I'm like, yeah, I love it when the good guys get one over like that. Um, yeah, I've mentioned already. Yeah, R- Richie getting attacked is still your fake thing, just exactly mirroring Billy in the first movie. Uh, and yeah, Dewey stupidly deciding to go back when he was clear really makes you feel bad. But again, they had to make his death very explicit and make it clear he was gone. Um, he brought it upon himself. I mean, he could have easily <laughs> lived, but he brought it upon himself. Shame on him. Yeah, it was kind of silly. But uh, I did kind of appreciate the it's an honor from the killer when they're killing him, though, as well, because it's kind of you, you did feel bad. I think like, like you at the, at the cinema, you're like, no, Dewey. But then. Like, ah, oh, they're aware at least that it's an important, you know, it's an honor to kill him, kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe again, that's just me, perhaps. But yeah. Makes you wonder, though, if uh, Arquette's fellow wrestlers were like, you got killed by her. <laughs> well, again, that's something the, fil- the filmmakers do bring up, like, because they say, obviously, a lot of the kills would have been Amber. And then they're like, clearly, there's <laughs> height discrepancy and a strength discrepancy there. But they already said, like, if you're worrying about like the height of the killer, you're not engrossed enough in the movie so we failed so really it's not something you should ever notice and I, I don't until they mention it and then you think like actually hang on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah at that point it's time to break out joel the joel gif <laughs> <laughs> mystery science theater 3000 yes absolutely yeah it really is because you can't really care about those things in these movies or as you said you start thinking well you know Every one of the killers is the wrong height or the wrong like how yeah. did, you know how did how did Jackie from Roseanne overpower that guy from Sliders you know <laughs> wow that was a double terrible reference there for me wasn't it but, you just live in the nineties <laughs> I am indeed absolutely I'm still there man never left <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I do I, I appreciate again the cool like emotional scene between Sam and Gail after Dewey's death where. Gail says he shouldn't have been there, and Sam actually goes, well, if, if you had stopped him, then my sister would be dead. 
and then the way that Sydney comes in and the kind of emotion that that's played with is really good as well. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, the basement uh, thing that you mentioned, I thought was again very a very deliberate reference to Tatum in the first movie, uh, when yeah. she kind of goes to the basement and then gets killed yeah. in the garage door. So I was kind of yeah. expecting that to happen to one of those. Uh, you know, the, the yeah, but that was a subversion. Of like, no, you first. No, no, you first. I think, exactly. yeah, like you yeah, said, yeah. it was a, it was a callback. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they do the same uh, later on when Richie's like, "I'll be right back." Ah ah ah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. It's it's playing with the, the rules, as you say. So it's good. It's fun. I love again that uh, it's something they haven't really played with, but in terms of using new technology. It's really cool how tense the scene is with Chad and the whole location finder. Um, you know, that they can play that tension of, oh, the, the little dot's getting closer and closer and closer to you. Um, so I thought they did that really well. Yeah. Callbacks, we, we'd be here all day, but callbacks to the first movie, Mindy watching the Randy scene exactly like he did when he was watching Jamie Lee Curtis. So it's oh my wheels God, within turn wheels. Around. She's <laughs> right behind you. Oh my He's gosh, right turn around, you. you know, which is Randy commenting on Halloween, which then becomes Mindy commenting on Stab, which becomes us watching Scream 6. And, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like recursive occlusion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. And again, in this last act, there's an awful lot of uh, Dutch uh, angles and like camera tilts, which uh, echo what Wes Craven did in that first movie, and I think keep you on edge quite well. Dude, uh, do you have Jerry Halliwell as your avatar right now? Uh, I'm looking for jokes to do with the word "scream," and I found the cover to "scream." If you want to go faster, <laughs> holy shit, man! You're really emphasizing and doubling down in this nineties thing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't notice beforehand, which nobody commented on, I actually did have the music video to Michael and Janet Jackson's. Yeah, so I saw that. <laughs> he is a living time yeah. capsule. Yeah, I have to mention as well in terms of like direction and stuff. I absolutely love the turnaround of uh, like because I was thoroughly convinced when I watched it that Liv was the killer, and when she goes, "I'm not the killer," even though she's found like the the bloodied hands and because she's found Chad and stuff, and then the the way that it quickly on a dime just goes, "I know," because I am, and she shoots and kills her. I was like. What the sheer whiplash of that scene was just brilliant. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, and as you said already, like Richie being the old, there's always two killers, and so at that point, you very much are like, Well, it's you, duh. <laughs> and, random, uh, random divergent. But what if they break the formula and do three killers ever, whether it's Scream Six or just in the future? Yeah. What would you, how would you react if they ever did well, more than the two killers at this point? At this point, people are already uh, people are already speculating about that because a lot of the posters for Scream Six have like seven Scream killers on them. If you look in like the crowd scenes and stuff, and they're like, "Huh, they wouldn't do that." Mm. Would they? Like. Every non-legacy character is a killer in this movie. So you never know, maybe. I mean, they changed the formula with Scream 3 by having it just be one. So who knows? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like I don't want to just keep touching on the same thing, but like Tara being tied up is again like Sid's dad in the first movie. It's a lot of you know references. Um again, being meta the way that Sydney says you're the most derivative of all. I mean, it's the same house, which we didn't touch on, like, oh, they're back at Stu's house, just like the third act of the or the final act of the first movie, of course. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not a movie. Someone has to save the franchise. You know, nobody takes the true fans seriously. Again, I love that angle, and uh, I think it's clever that they decided to do that. Uh, yeah, and then the, the fact that they were going to make Sam like the recurring villain, like because you, you you don't have a Jason or a Freddy in these movies. You can't have a bona fide Halloween without Jamie Lee. Like, ouch to all the movies that mm. doesn't have her in. But okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And again, the, the nice callback to a joke when uh, Tara's the one that kills Amber and just goes, I still prefer the Babadook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. One, um, one last little thing I, I did love at the end that Gail's like, I'm not going to write about this. Those fuckers will die in anonymity. I'm just going to write about a nice guy who used to be the sheriff here. And then um, Sydney going, oh, I'd like to read that book. It's nice. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, and very last thing, I promise. I do like that they kind of subvert the mental health kind of tropes with this because in an older movie, it would be very hokey that it would be like the killer is Sam because she's got visions and she's mentally ill and stuff. But turns out she's actually the hero and you can be a perfectly functional member of society. You know? So I appreciated that as well. Ha, right. Yeah, progression, how the table turns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anything else about the direction then quickly or, or no? No, nothing about direction. Just um, hereditary and it follows got a shout out. That's elevated horror. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, they yeah. got shout outs. I'm glad they they got mentioned. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, awesome, cool. Um, I only have one note about the VFX because obviously the main thing is the kind of the Billy Loomis because they have to do the. I don't know if it's deep fake or de aging or whatever because Ski Ulrich yeah. doesn't look the same as he did in '96. And I said it was such a weird mixed bag because, like, the first time that you see it in the hospital, it's flawless. Like, it looks like it's just a scene from the end of the 96 movie. He looks exactly the same. But then when she sees him in the car later on, it is so ropey. And it's just so obviously, like, a bad effect. I was like, yeah. what happened? Did you just think you, you, you don't need you, to yeah. I was going to say, sorry, you would know, Mike. You are the 90s time capsule. You, you, you would know. <laughs> first hand. First hand. <laughs> Yes, I opened a portal and stepped out of 96 just like he did. But no. <laughs> but no, I thought like it was very iffy. And then again, at the end, when he's in the mirror, first of all, it's very weird, that scene where it's kind of like you're supposed to be cheering on the hero for finding her inner serial killer, which is the one criticism I've always had of this movie is that's a super weird scene. Like, oh, your serial killer, dad. And she even says like, oh, well, maybe this should be a rule. Don't fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. And I'm like, are we supposed to be celebrating this? This is a very weird thing to do. Um, so I was curious if you guys kind of had an issue with that or if it's just me. No, I, d I didn't really have an issue with that because by that point, you just you just want Richie and Amber to be gone. So I think... It's kind yeah. of it's it's kind of like saying embrace your wild side. Don't shy yeah. away from your mm. past or your upbringing and such. Just, sometimes we're all a bit crazy and it just is, it's the world that we live in kind of attitude. And you just, at that point, it's kind of like, fuck it, just embrace who you are at that point. Well, at least that's yeah. how I yeah. interpret it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to see it, actually. I, I appreciate that. That's cool. Um, As for yeah, Billy itself, I do agree. There were some scenes which looked really good and some that looked just janky as fuck. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. The mirror shot at the end is the same. It's kind of like, it's supposed to be this key moment of her seeing and like getting in touch with her inner, you know, her, her father's spirit or whatever, and it just looks really shocking. <laughs> Even though it's supposed to be a reflection, I was like, whoa, that's just bad. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to Ski Ulrich for agreeing to do it and come back and do those things, knowing he was going to be, you know, a special effect. I have three notes on the music and sound before we uh, finish, and then one, like, random note. In fact, no, I haven't, just because I already said. My other random note was just that um, I found Liv's character to be frustratingly not developed and irrelevant, but, again, it's a slasher. You need cannon fodder. I've already said that, so, eh. Um, about the music, Brian Tyler is the composer here, replacing Maltro, Mar Marco Beltrami from Scream 1 to 4. Uh, I, I think he does a great job at emphasizing the kind of tension, fear, sadness in various scenes, everything that it's called for. He does reference Beltrami's kind of Dewey theme when he introduces Dewey, which I thought was an interesting touch. 
Uh, and again, as you've already mentioned, Connor, the song Red Right Hand, which is in the first screen movie, does come up in this one. Uh, it's playing on the car radio when Kyle Gallner's character gets killed at the very start. So that's like a recurring motif in these films as well. B-Tech huh. Flash, R.I.P. Kyle Garner, R.I.P. <laughs> Did you just call him the B-Tech Flash? <laughs> yeah, R. Allen, the fake Flash. Oh, um, I'll probably, we'll, we'll cover our favourite character moment in line, then I'll do the audience response, then our conclusions, if that's all right with you guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I do that, then, do you guys have any last notes on anything at all in the film that we haven't covered? I got nothing. Mm, not, yeah, not that I can think of, no, no. Fair enough. Uh, we'll move to the next section then, which I said favourite character moment and line. Uh, and as the guest, Connor, we'll start with you and ask who was your favourite character in this movie? Um, right, favourite character. I would go, actually, with Melissa Barrera, Sam Carpenter. I think I'd actually go with her. Um, okay. I just liked her performance the whole time. I would have said Jenny Ortega, because one, because it's Wednesday, but also because I thought she was in the movie a little bit more, but I forgot how like sort of out of action she really was. Um, yeah. Um, but no, I, I would go with Sam or Richie because it's Huey. But, I mean, that's a little bit biased. Um, yeah. But no, I like I like Sam. I did like Sam quite a bit in this movie, and I'm curious to see where she goes in the new one. So yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. As I said, with all of the survivors, so like Sam, uh, Tara. Uh, Chad and Mindy. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they all do uh, in the next movies. Yeah, yeah. The next generation of Scream. Yeah, yeah. Scream the next generation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Uh, DK, what about you? Who's your favourite character in the movie? Uh, I'm always going to be Team Dewey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Y- yeah. I mean, you go in expecting them to have plot armor, but like they say in the movie, it's a recall. Anybody can get killed. And yeah. uh, without him, I don't think it's going to be the same going forward. Dewey for the last time. Dewey for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fair enough. I can understand that. Um, yeah. My favorite character, then, I just said on the first watch, I would have probably said a legacy character. Like, I remember being quite emotional when Sydney was back in the film and, and feeling because, like, I, I'm the nerd that's watched all of these and being like, yeah, those characters. But this time around, when I watched it like with a more critical eye, I really, like Connor, appreciated Sam, Melissa Barrera, a lot more and how well she kind of carries the whole film and picks up that torch. And, uh, yeah, so I would actually say my favourite character is Sam in this movie, uh, which, you know, you're outvoted two to one, DK, so tough. Yeah. <laughs> I can take it. That's fair enough. Um, so, Connor, what was your favourite moment or scene in the movie in that case? Uh, oh, geez. Um, apart from when they're discussing about requels and the whole movie run and Skeet Ulrich is on this TV screen back from 1996 um, <laughs> and they're discussing like the rules about the movie like making mm. stuff. Um, oh, favorite scene. Um, I, a random line that I really liked, but not that it meant anything apart from the reference, but time to introduce them to Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> But I just I saw that and chuckled. Um, yeah, I can appreciate that. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about favorite scene though. I mean, apart from the reveal and the final showdown, um, and and I guess I guess fucking uh, Wes's death, Dylan Minnette, because I mean that was like the most tense section of the film, and they deliberately cut away from it, and it could have been revealed Ooh. like. A yes. minute before they did it, and then it's like, is he, is he not? Eh, uh, eh, uh, like back and forth, yeah. and then bam, he's dead. 
I think that probably was, was from a critical lens. I think that that was like the best sequence I would say in this film. But I always like the third act. I always do like the third act for all for all of yeah, them, and like yeah. when they reveal stuff and the showdown happens. But no, I, I think Wes's death, I think, was perhaps the bit where I was most like critically impressed. I guess if I was like to crit critique a bit of it. Yeah, I see what you mean. I forgot to mention as well, it's not my favourite scene, but I should have said I also appreciated when um, when Judy is killed. It's really surprising because it's like broad daylight and you don't expect that. To right, happen. yeah. They yeah. dive out of the bushes at the, you know, at the front door and kill her in broad daylight outside. And so I think that adds to the tension of Wes's scene because that whole time you know that his mother's dead outside and the killer's around somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. So really appreciate it. So yeah, anyway, TK, what was your favourite moment or scene in the movie? I like the sheer absurdity of Mindy watching someone recreating the scene from the first movie of her uncle watching Jamie, the look behind you thing. I yeah, just think, yeah, just, yeah. it's again, it's turned up to 11. And at the end where Mindy realises, she just looks around and goes, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Um I'm kind of on the same page as Connor again here because I, I could have picked loads of different scenes, but in the end I said it's probably going to be the last act again. Uh, everything from when Amber reveals that she's the killer and shoots Liv to Amber being shot by Tara and finally dispatched. I think that's kind of the, you know, that's the key moments of the film. It's when it all comes together, so that's what I would pick. Um, but again, <clears> I could have easily understood picking any scene. The hospital scene was brilliantly tense. The one that you picked... Uh, yeah. You know the the Dylan death the death scene is is fantastically played and yeah I like all of them <laughs> but yeah I'll see if the I hospital sequence in my mind I thought the hospital sequence was a lot longer than it was because I I I saw it in 4DX 4D was intense but that hospital sequence like anyway was a lot more longer in my mind yeah. during that portion of the film but then i think what it was like well maybe 10 12 minutes but honestly in that particular sequence it felt like 20 minutes or at least 20 minutes of pure suspense um yeah if you if you're feeling yeah. immersed in that kind of thing i mean i think that that's when it does get you because it only, and that, it that only will happen to with it. The, yeah yeah uh so what was your favorite line in the movie then connor um aside from times introducing todd's and shaw um <laughs> uh no i mean yeah I, I always prefer the babadook um our lines never never say who's there don't you watch scary movies it's a death wish you might as well come out to investigate a strange noise or something that's literally a line from scream one <laughs> <laughs> oh okay well not this fucking is it actually because <laughs> the website's yeah wrong, genuinely yeah it's wrong <laughs> Shit. No, I think it's it's in this movie, but only because like they're watching Stab, so it's literally yeah, they, like they, yeah. dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's from the scene um, when the very first kill of Drew Barrymore. She's like, "Who's there?" Like, Don't say who's there. Don't you watch? <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I mean, cool. Meta, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Are you happy to go? No, with you know that? what? Actually, <laughs> no, the, 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 the gone, the gone with the wind thing. Like that is literally my excuse to. <laughs> I haven't seen Black X Y Z. It's like, look, I've never seen X Y Z either, but I don't consider it like a huge hole in my cinematic, cinematic education slash journey. I, I think see, that yeah. is gonna, that's gonna stay with me for life now. Fair enough. I can appreciate that as well. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, awesome. So, DK, what was your favorite line in the movie? It's it's already come up, and I think it's. Uh, also down to the the way it's delivered, but it's Dewey and the maybe other killer because that cut deep. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's got great comedic timing and chops as uh, the David Arquette. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, my favorite line. Just I don't know why it got me the first time I heard it, and it does every time, and I noted it when it happens here. Um, and apparently, it was an ad lib and not part of the script. But my favorite line is, "I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course, I have a gun." <laughs> 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 I just love. Again, it's yeah, that's up, up there as well. Practice. Actually, that that's up there actually. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Awesome. Uh, right. So, uh, just before we get to our uh, sort of conclusions and things, then I will go to the audience interaction section. There's not much because I did put out the usual kind of social medias. By the way, you can follow us on Mastodon, Instagram. Uh, we are no longer on Twitter, but you can find us all around using the link tree in our descriptions. Uh, we do often put out things and ask, you know, what did you think about this movie? It only got one response from social media, but I did find a few mutual uh, letterboxed friends that I was able to grab some comments from. So the first one is uh, my one social media response from Liz Who Fan at Mastodon.social. Uh, she says, I liked the ghost faces reveal and their motives. I absolutely hated that Dewey died because there goes yet another one of my favorite movie series couples. So, and then we got into a similar conversation that you just did where I was like, what, uh, what do you think uh, is in store for Gail in Scream 6? And she was like, well, if she dies, I'm going to be pissed about it. So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the only other things I have are from Letterboxd. So I'll move over to there. Uh, this is Alex Marzonia who gave the film four and a half stars and says, such a fun movie. I wish all movies were this fun and silly. Jack Quaid and Jenna Ortega rule. Uh, Alec Greer gave the film four stars and says, this movie has convinced me that Jack Quaid would play a serial killer so well. All right. <laughs> Abby Friel also gave the movie four and a half stars and says, I spent the whole movie trying to figure out how I knew Mikey Madison. And then the second she got set on fire, I was like, oh, it's the bitch who also gets set on fire in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Iconic. Also, I will accept any movie that properly roasts and acknowledges fandom to culture and gives me Skeet Ulrich. Wow, Abby. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Paul Denuzio, PLD, gave the movie four stars and says, this is a great requel and a great continuation of a solid franchise. I was slightly worried about continuing without Wes, but Bettinelli, Alpin and Gillette are obviously big-time fans, big-time influenced, and just quality directors on their own. Like four, they introduced characters that were engaging, so the film didn't need the legacy characters, but they also allowed the legacy characters their moment and made good use of them. There was a lot of good fan service in the vein of telling good stories, a lot of realistic callback, at least as far as realism goes in the Scream universe. I'll have to see it again at some point, but at this point, it's my second favorite of the franchise, closely followed by four, which could retake its position in time. Uh, thank you, PLD. Uh, Michael Vincent was less enthused and gave the film one and a half stars, saying, um, just like pretty much all the other legacy sequels, this is only really saved by members of the old cast. You very much can feel the absence of the great Wes Craven. It's dumbed down and had generic direction. Which is weird, because I think we all completely disagree with that, but all right. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, Alex, with two exclamation points, says uh, four stars and says, how can a horror franchise still be this good nearly 25 years later? Seriously, every screen movie besides part three are classics. The same can be said with the latest installment. This whole movie had me on the edge of my seat. The cast was phenomenal, especially our legacy characters. Man, I can't believe they killed off my boy Dewey like that. Love the relationship between Sydney and Gail. Shows how much they've grown throughout each film. But the problem I have with this movie is the motive of the killers. It was lame and felt lazy. I also got spoiled before watching the movie, so I already knew who were the killers. I wish I didn't, but it was pretty obvious who the killers were. But besides that, the movie will become a classic. Definitely excited <clears throat> for the future of the franchise. Yeah, kind of disagree with half of that, but all right. Um, Joe, just 
Jill, <laughs> gave the film four stars and says, absolutely great. I enjoyed the movie. And then all in capitals, Jenna Ortega deserves an Oscar. <laughs> all right. Calm down, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody, a fan, obviously. So, Ra- random. Uh, yeah. Sorry. 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 Random oh, um, diverge. Um, Timeline of this film. Did we ever find out what day of the week the film took place on? <laughs> like, was it set the no. weekend? Was it a Wednesday? Was it a Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jenna was attacked on a Wednesday. Badoomtish. Huh? <laughs> 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 Badoomtish. <laughs> Can't believe you did that. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out. You're going to suffer. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, we'll move on to our conclusions and scores out of five then just to wrap things up. And again, Connor, since you're the guest, we'll start with you. Uh, Do you have a little brief conclusion and what would you score this out of five? Um, Conclusions. I mean, I haven't written it down. I haven't done an essay. I haven't gone back in 1996 or anything. But I would just say a movie that I massively improved me on this rewatch. some nice original fresh characters that to pardon the pun do carry the torch into the generation going forward um not only with scream six but hopefully subsequent installments um it'll be a bit more of a dud now if scream six doesn't turn out to be as well received as this one um yeah but it was but it was a nice use of the legacy characters and the past that wasn't just for cameos and shits and giggles like it did serve a narrative purpose as well as you know thematic purpose as well um, and a score, I mean, I would have maybe gone with a three last year, but upon now, uh, do you do, so, no, fuck it, you know what, I'll give it a four, I'll be nice, I'll be. I'll give it a four. Awesome, fair enough. Uh, and DK then, uh, what would be your conclusion and score out of five next? All right, uh, later on in the movie, there's a quote, no one's made a good stab movie since the first one. That kind of <laughs> resonated with me. I was a huge fan of the first one. In fact, it's one of the first. It's one of the few times in my life I can remember the experience of being in a cinema as much fun as the movie itself. But the sequels left me cold, and I was kind of concerned that this one would do the same thing. So it was a pleasant surprise that I found this one to be as enjoyable as I did. It is pretty much the horror genre version of The Force Awakens. It does rely a great deal on nostalgia for the original, right down to setups and locations. So, like Connor mentioned, how the new one's going to be received when it doesn't have that to fall back on will be interesting. But I'll be honest, I went into this with low expectations, and this film made me a believer so much so that not only am I looking forward to the next instalment, but I might go back and revisit the... uh, the ones that I didn't look favourably on before. I think this were good stuff, and I'm going to give it four out of five. Awesome. Fair enough. Um, cool. So uh, I'm going to give you my conclusion, which is just basically I, I, I'm going to use the one that I wrote up on Letterboxd after watching the film because it says it all. Uh, I just said, is Scream the only franchise without a total stinker anywhere? For me, yes, it is, although Scream 3 comes close. And this was a welcome continuation of that streak, effortlessly earning a place among the others, while also serving as almost a direct sequel homage to the original, which seems very fitting considering the real-world tragedy that befell these films. A card at the end reads for Wes, and yes, it honours his legacy and does him proud, at least in my opinion. Like all screen movies, it's a meta whodunit, but the formula is part of the fun, and the film manages to surprise me and what it does within those restrictions, including skewering a group that's emerged in society that, who boy, thoroughly deserves it. 
The direction is suspenseful. There's a couple of minor surprises, but this is really a love letter to the original film, even serving as a more effective going back to the beginning than the aforementioned Scream 3. If I had one criticism, it's that the legacy characters almost all amount to not a whole lot more than cameos or extended cameos. I get the sense a film was written in anticipation that the actors wouldn't sign on, and when they did, they were written into a plot that had to make room for them. Although this isn't as clunky as it could have been. If you like the franchise, you'll love this. If you're not sold, this won't change your mind. But I thoroughly enjoyed the new ideas, all the characters, the homages, and the updating. And I will say they did good for Wes. Uh, and I will give the movie... Four and a half out of five. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, let me just see if I can work out the average then. So, that give, well, so that gives a total score then for Scream 2022 or Scream 5 or 5 Cream of yeah, five four cream. point. Good old five cream. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 4.16 out of five. It's actually 4.16666666667, but, you know, <laughs> we'll not get silly. We'll call it 4.16 out of five, which incredibly good. Very, a very good score. And, uh, yeah, awesome. Um, when it comes to writing it up on Letterboxd, I'll narrow it down to a four, but I wanted to give it the extra half a point that I, I would have given it, because I liked it a lot. And I'm a big screen nerd, so there you go. So, uh, yeah, uh, all that remains now, then, is to say thank you to DK for coming back. Have you, uh, have you been uh, happy enough and uh, content enough jumping back into the swing of things, DK, this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there, like, I don't know, what is Jason Voorhees in the last 15 minutes of a movie. <laughs> like that cat on a poster that's hanging on a branch. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Connor, thanks again for uh, agreeing to join us and talk at yet another Scream movie. Uh, have you had fun with us today? <laughs> oh, of course, yes. Um, Scream. Awesome. I mean, I love Scream. Um, it gave me good reason to go back and not only update myself, but appreciate a movie that, again, I wasn't as keen to go back to, uh, but I had fun with it on this rewatch. So, yeah, it was good. Thank you, awesome. Michael. And, uh, that's no problem. Anytime. You know uh, you know us. We're happy to have you on, and we uh, appreciate your podcast as well. So just before I move on to uh, the, the sort of plugs and stuff, will you both be seeing Scream 6 in theatres? Absolutely. I will Absolutely. try, but it's, it's difficult trying to see anything in a theatre, right? <clears throat> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then, Connor, um, did you want to yes. plug uh, where people can find you on the <clears throat> internet? So on the internet, uh, we belong on YouTube mostly, but we are slowly expanding to other social media platforms in the form of Pasty Sheep um, on YouTube mainly, but we do have social medias across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and recently TikTok. Um, yeah, uh, our our other name is the Nerd Bible Podcast, where we record that every Wednesday. It comes out on a Friday. Um, we are trying to slowly expand and broaden out on our content. But mainly our YouTube channel, Pasty Sheep, is our main source of domain and income. <laughs> I wish <Yeah>. income. <laughs> our location, <laughs> our main domain. Awesome. And it is a fantastic podcast. If you're into all nerd and geek culture type stuff, it's a weekly look at all of that, you know, Marvel and uh, films in general and TV and all that stuff. And thoroughly recommend. It's very entertaining. And uh, it comes out every Friday, I think. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, every Friday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, every yeah. Friday. Yeah. Or, or they, that's the aim anyway, but with uh, with George having a young child, that doesn't always happen, but usually it does. No, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, DK, do you have anywhere you want to plug uh, where people can find you? Not really. Bit of a hermit at the minute, but I'll be here. 
You'll be here. You'll be around. Yeah, yeah. You can pretty much find all of mine and DK's links in the descriptions of the episodes. We'll be around doing podcasts as well. And uh, yeah, our next one, which you can see in two weeks' time, uh, because, you know, we're, we're struggling a little bit without the help that we anticipated would come. Uh, so we're doing this every two weeks. But the next episode in two weeks' time, we are going to be reviewing the film John Wick. And myself and DK will be joined once again by Sandra Evanson, who absolutely insisted that we had to do this film. So, And uh, for me and DK, it'll be a first-time watch. We've never seen it before. So very intrigued to see Wait, what happens next. Wait, what? what? No, I know, right? saw John Wick. What? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Shut the front door. What? Yeah. I know, right? Well, you know, I've never I'm seen shot. Gone with the Wind either, but I wouldn't consider it a cap in my cinema. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, oh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> straight into that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Awesome. But yeah, so do join us for that one. And uh, again, thanks again, DK, for coming back to uh, assist me as a co-host. And thanks no again to Connor um, for being our guest <clears throat> on yet another scream. And again, uh, join us next time. And uh, remember, in the epic words of Arnie, We'll be back. I'll be back. You have been listening to the Silver Screen Podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Behind the scenes sections and additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Silver Screen Podcast or look for the Silver Screen Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen, Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast Production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.